From the Museum of Science in Boston, this is Pulsar, a podcast where experts answer questions from you, our audience. I'm your host, Eric O'Day. Thanks to Facebook Boston for supporting this episode of Pulsar. We received a question from David about an amazing discovery that was recently in the news. Off of the Gulf Coast of Alabama, an ancient forest that has been submerged beneath the waves for thousands of years. This find has brought together scientists and engineers from many different fields interested in studying its unique ecosystem, including our guest today, Dan Distel from Northeastern University. Dr. Distel, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Glad to be here. So we want to talk about some of the animals involved in this discovery. So why don't we start with your background and how you started to study these animals? I am a marine biologist, but my specialty is understanding how marine animals and bacteria interact in positive ways. So in most cases for animals we're familiar with, vertebrates that live on land, if you have bacteria inside your cells, you're in trouble. It turns out that with many marine invertebrates, things like bivalve clams, uh, a variety of marine worms, they tend to form symbiotic associations with bacteria. In the case of the invertebrates, the bacteria actually go inside their cells, but they don't kill the animal, they actually help them. So my background, I began studying deep sea hydrothermal vents, which are these volcanic hot springs on the sea floor. And they have a whole group of marine animals that live around them that use very toxic chemicals from the effluent of those vents, those volcanic hot springs, they have bacteria that help them convert those toxic compounds into food. And that's what these animals live on. So I started studying that. But through my career, I learned about these shipworms and realized, hey, they live in shallow water. They're much easier to get to. You don't need submarines and you don't need to go down 2,000 meters. And it's turned out to be very, very exciting. These shipworms have kept me busy for over 20 years, and we're still only getting started. Now, this underwater forest is this super unique habitat. Why don't we go back to the beginning? Can you tell us the story of its discovery? Yeah, it's an interesting story, and it goes way back. It turns out that this forest probably existed along the coast of Alabama about 60,000 years ago. But at that time, sea level was about 60 feet lower than it is today. So over time, that forest got swallowed up as sea level rose, and it got covered with sediments, and it stayed that way for tens of thousands of years. Then about 14 years ago, there was a major hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico, and it produced waves up to about nearly 100 feet. When you get waves that big, it churns up the bottom. And when that happened, it exposed some of the parts of this ancient forest. But it didn't get noticed for a while. It wasn't until some fishermen began noticing that they were getting really good catches in a particular location, and they started to wonder why. So they hired a local diver, and he went down and looked around, and the first thing he saw, he described it as it looked like a coral reef. There were these large structures, and they were all covered with anemones, and there's fish swimming around them, and crabs, and all kinds of sea life. 
But when he got up closer, he realized that these weren't coral heads, which you know would have been a surprise in that location, but they're actually big tree stumps. And your team was part of an expedition in December of 2019 to have divers recover samples of wood so that you could study them in the lab. So can you tell us how that went? Yeah, that was a great expedition, but it almost went very badly. You know, when you do this kind of work, you're subject to all kinds of things like weather. And we plan months and months in advance, and we ship all our stuff out to, uh, we went to the Dauphin Island Sea Lab, which is a marine lab there on the coast. And it just turned out that as we arrived, a major storm was moving in. So we were able to push our first dive a day ahead of what we previously planned to do. And it was really lucky that we did, because that was the only day the weather was good enough that we were able to get out to the site. The conditions were awful. It was dark and rainy and big waves, and the bottom was really churned up, so the divers could barely see the site. They couldn't even see each other. In fact, one of our divers said the way that he found the bottom, so he was following the line down that had a weight at the end, and when his face mask hit the bottom, that's when he found it. They were able to collect literally doing it by feel, and they were able to bring up enough wood that we could bring it back to the Dauphin Island Sea Lab, and that kept us busy all week. Now, a forest that's been underwater for tens of thousands of years, why does that make a unique habitat that you really want to study? There's not been much research on this kind of site. Usually, when wood enters the oceans, it's relatively small pieces, a single log or a tree branch, sometimes a ship, right? Sometimes a wooden boat sinks, and that's a major source of wood on the seafloor. But this was a really big source of wood on the seafloor, so we didn't know exactly what we would find. So actually getting your hands on this wood material in the lab, what did you find? What we found was interesting. We found three different species of what are known as shipworms. They're not actually worms, although they look just like worms. They're clams, and they burrow into wood and they eat wood. And they're one of very few animals in the world, really, that are known to be able to live with wood as its main source of nutrients. You know, on land, we all are familiar with termites, but not much else eats wood. Sometimes people call shipworms the termites of the sea. So finding these new species of shipworms, besides the discovery of a new animal, why else is it really exciting? Our goal in this project was to isolate bacteria from these shipworms. The reason is most animals that are able to eat wood or anything made of cellulose, which is wood and pretty much all plant matter is mostly made of cellulose. Most animals can't digest cellulose, but with the help of bacteria that make proteins called enzymes, these proteins help break down the wood and help the animal digest it. We were very interested in isolating these bacteria and learning, A, how they help the animal break down the wood, and B, we actually found out in some previous studies that these bacteria can make certain useful compounds like antibiotics. So we were very interested to see what antibiotics they can make. Now, it sounds very unusual to be looking for new antibiotics at the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico inside a bacteria inside a shipworm, 
But most of our existing antibiotics come from places just like that in nature, right? That's exactly right. Actually, almost all antibiotics come from bacteria, and they're found in a lot of places, mostly on land and soil, for example. But more and more, we're finding new drug lead compounds in marine organisms. And there's more and more interest in looking in the oceans for these kind of compounds. Well, that's really exciting. Are there any other things we could learn by studying this ecosystem? Another application that's kind of cool is these animals are able to break down the cellulose in wood and turn it into sugar. But it turns out that wood is really abundant in the world. It's the most common type of biological material on the planet. And so there's a lot of wood waste and paper waste and cardboard. All these things are made of cellulose. It makes up a large amount of the material that goes into landfills and waste dumps. So if you could break that stuff down into sugar, it's very easy to turn sugar into alcohol. Fermentation is the oldest technology known to man. And once you have alcohol, that can be used as a renewable fuel. And so that's another potentially really valuable use of the information that we get from these animals. Well, it sounds like there's a lot more to be learned from this underwater forest. Does your team have plans to go back and continue exploring? Yes, we do. We are still trying to figure that out because we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're hoping to go back in the fall, but if we can't do that in person, we're looking at various creative ways to work. We may send a remotely operated vehicle that's operated from the surface and see if we can map the site that way. And we also are trying another approach, which is to put down what we call baits. These are pieces of wood that we tie to an anchor and we put down at the site. And then we have divers collect those and mail them back to us. So not exactly a traditional fishing expedition. Have you tried this before? Does it work? That's a different kind of fishing. That's right. We tried it on our first expedition to see what would happen. And it was too successful. By the time we had the divers collect the wood again, about six months, there was almost nothing left. They were almost completely eaten. Next time, we're going to try two months. So let's finish by talking about the team. What's it like to bring so many different types of scientists and engineers and diving experts together to help each other study this ecosystem? We have a great group of people. Many of us have been working together for over 10 years on similar projects like this. But it's really helpful to have scientists with different backgrounds because when you get out to the site, there's so much to see. And different people see it in a completely different way. We have a group from the University of Utah that's working with us. Their expertise is in microbiology and also in biological chemistry. So they do the drug discovery research. And then we also have our collaborators from Northeastern University. They include Mark Patterson, who does a lot of work with robotics and remote observation of the seafloor. And so he's the one with these remotely operated vehicles. And then we have Brian Helmuth. Brian studies how organisms interact with the environment. And he's particularly interested in questions relating to climate change. This is kind of an interesting scenario in the climate change perspective, because as 
the world warms, we're going to see more rising sea levels. And we're going to see more wood from the land and more forests getting submerged under the ocean. So wood is going to play a larger and larger role in coastal ecosystems as the climate changes. So that's really exciting to have Brian on board. And then, of course, the people in my group, we study these shipworms and their bacteria. And we're very interested in how that animals and bacteria can work together in positive ways. And of course, the support from the staff, the divers at Dolphin Island Sea Lab, they're a really great group of people. So all in all, it's been really fun and exciting and a real learning experience for all of us. Well, Dr. Distel, thanks so much for telling us all about this project, and we look forward to hearing some updates from your team in the future. My pleasure. If you'd like to have one of your questions answered by a visiting expert or a Museum of Science educator, you can email them to sciencequestions at mos.org. If you enjoyed this episode of Pulsar, don't forget to subscribe on the Apple Podcast app or on Spotify, as well as leaving a rating or review for us. That's it for this episode of Pulsar. Join us again soon. <laughs>